Welcome back to season five of the Product Marketing Experts podcast. Today, I'm really excited for this conversation with Amanda Groves, the Senior Director of Product Marketing at Crossbeam. Amanda, welcome to the podcast. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about yourself and what your current role is and your path into product marketing. Sure. Hey, Jeffrey. Thanks so much for having me. Really excited to be here. So I am a Philadelphia native and now Pittsburgh transplant. I have two young kiddos. I love endurance racing, ultra marathoning to be specific. And when I'm not spending time with my family or trail running, I help partnering companies make meaningful connections as Crossbeam's head of product marketing. I've been marketing in high growth tech companies for about 15 years now, and I've held marketing positions across industries like EdTech, HR tech, experiential learning, and MarTech. And I feel really lucky to have stumbled into product marketing throughout my journey after dipping my toe into various marketing specializations specifically, just because as an empath, I found product marketing to really be the right mix of raw ingredients to tap into empathy, creative decisioning, creative data decisioning. And yeah, so just with my background in writing and communications, what I studied in school, it just really was the perfect fit for me to flex those muscles. So once I found that space, I knew it was something that I wanted to stick to and grow very curious about the domain. So yeah, that's a little bit about me and why product marketing is my happy space. That's amazing. Everyone's journey into product marketing is a little bit different, a little bit unique in some regards, but I think it brings really interesting quality into the broader product marketing landscape. I have to ask, how did you get into ultra marathoning or endurance racing? I used to be a runner in high school, middle school, and, and a bit of college. These days, I probably can't run more than five or 10 miles without feeling like not feeling well. Um, but I have to ask, how did you get into uh, kind of endurance racing? Hey, hey, five to 10 miles. That's pretty dang good. So endurance running, it really took off for me during the pandemic. Everyone was locked down and I happen to live in an area in greater Pittsburgh that has beautiful park with 3000 acres. So, you know, I just wanted to get outside and try something different and found the trail and kind of never looked back. It's just such a great space to digital decompression and center myself. So the miles, they just do fly. And I also come from a family of runners. My grandfather is a big inspiration to me. He has done 67 marathons and just kind of pushes me to reach further and go further. So yeah, it's definitely just been a lot of fun and did my a few 50Ks and I'm planning to run across Scotland actually next year. So 215 miles, it'll be a big challenge, but I'm really excited about it. That is absolutely incredible. And Please let us know when you do run across Scotland. We'd love to follow your Absolutely. journey and support sure. however we all can. Talking about product marketing and jumping back a little bit, I want to talk a little bit about go-to-market. It's, of course, changed a lot, I would say, over the past, let's say, two or three years, not only due to the pandemic, but also just due to kind of advances in technology and different solutions. But we'd love to hear how you and kind of the Crossbeam team think about creating a successful go-to-market plan. Yeah, no, it's a really good question. And everything changes so fast, right? Especially in technology, you put something into market and it's immediately stale with the rate of innovation. So we have to be agile. I'm going to give you a lawyerly response and say it really depends on the launch tier and the phase of the product development schema. But with my team, that's what I impress on to them. And we like to put on our journalist hats and start with discovery. I think it's really important to ask 
strong and succinct questions across the go-to-market team. So I encourage my teams to really think in two big buckets. So we define our why first and what rolls into that are kind of if the audience has done any communications or writing or journalist courses, I reflect on the who, what, when, where, why, and how framework. And it seems simple, but it is really still important for how we get to the core tenets of what we're doing and go to market. So I will ask, why does this feature or product matter to suss out the value? And we do that in voice of the customer research and surveys and product interviews. And then what use cases does this solve for to inform the messaging? Again, customer insights are key to suss out what those use cases are. And then how does it compare to the old way or the status quo, especially in disruptive technologies? It's important to understand those solution statements and understand the market and impact analysis for the comparison to the old way. And then also if it's a budding area of competition, how does it compare to the competition? What is that competitive differentiator that you can weave into the narrative? And then what does good look like for the launch? What are the KPIs, the key North stars that you're going to be rallying around through the launch? So once we have our why from those questions, we go into the big who and defining the audience. So who are the personas that are going to benefit from these features to understand audience targeting? What market segment or industry is it for? How can I make my target audience get started and activate and adopt this technology? And then what does good look like from an implementation standpoint? After all that definition, discovery and market research, I take those outputs and we have what we call just a tiering calculator. So the outputs are inputs into that and we from there rank our tiers from one to four, one being the most impactful. We're going to throw the kitchen sink at this one down to tier four, which could be more uh, small pixel updates that don't require a ton of shouting for the market to hear about. And that's really kind of the overarching tenets of how we think about successful go-to-market plans. A lot of questions, and then we take those inputs and put together more of an objective tiering so everyone understands the why internally and can row in the same direction when we're ready to shout about it with a market. I love that framework of thinking about why defining your audience and kind of building your plans around those core tenants. That's really smart. How did you initially figure that out with the product team and the various teams at Crossbeam, I imagine? Yeah. As you've grown in size, as you've evolved, how do you kind of like lay that out across your organization? It's a really good question. I think it's something that product marketing is always striving to get better at, getting internal buy-in and influencing teams. And the way that we do that, especially with product, that's half of our title, right, is being really clear about it's not necessarily ownership. I think that can have a little bit of a stigma, but responsibility and accountability across teams and a big core philosophy that I have with my co-pilots on product is defining areas of the product journey across the product development lifecycle. And what's been really successful for me is having this clear line in the sand where product owns the feature up to what we call a development complete or general availability. And then as we're nearing that stage, that's where product marketing comes in and owns market readiness. And it's in this phase of market readiness where all these questions and even a little bit before are really key to answering. And if we don't answer those questions and there's certain non-negotiables, it's not market ready. So I think being really clear with product about that kind of dichotomy and ownership has helped us be really successful 
in when we launch, why we launch, and what the impact is, and again, who owns what across team lines. So if I don't have that level of understanding with my product teams, I know that's kind of a red flag and, and could be a rocky launch. So I'm very clear and get that commitment up front and where we own things and what market ready actually means to the organization. So I would say that's been the biggest W for me at Crossview and other organization is having that alignment with my product leader and us rallying the teams throughout the product development lifecycle stages with those key tenants in mind. That's amazing. And it is really, really helpful. It pays dividends rather, you know, down the line, right? Of if you have that alignment up front, you can kind of approach the latter latter stages of development in kind of unified fashion rather than kind of figure it out on the fly. As with any GTM or market readiness, there's a lot of people that of course are involved in these activities. It's while in product marketing, we're often coordinating and doing a lot of this work. It we're certainly not doing all of it. And, you know, we were talking just a little bit about product, but even beyond product, just more generally curious how you think about defining that ownership and gaining buy-in cross-functionally. Yeah, that's another really good question. And it's tricky, right? It depends across the organization size and stage. If you're a single product marketer or on a team. And I have worn all of those hats. I've been a solo product marketer in a bootstrapped organization up to a team of 30 at a series E company. But in every instance, I found one initiative to really help me break through and build that just connective tissue across the organization. And it's called another acronym, <laughs> prepare yourselves. Marketers, we love our acronyms, but NPI process or new product introduction process. You can kind of think about it as a tiger team for go to market where product marketing, we own this process. It is our baby to raise and we organize it by key go-to-market individuals across big business slides that I pick to deputize their respective domain, right? So we'll have someone from the customer success team as part of this initiative, someone from sales because we need the voice of the customer and market feedback, someone from RevOps, content, product of course, and make sure that essentially every business line is represented and we're there to talk about go-to-market early and often as we prepare for launches. Some of the key things in the new product introduction process that we think about is informing. So we collectively discuss imminent releases and launch plans, dependencies across team ownership areas to prioritize and also raise the flag on the play when we see things that could be interpreted a certain way on the customer side or a piece of enablement that would be really helpful to get in the lineup before we're ready to push to general availability. The other thing we do is just influencing, again, as the product nears general availability, we have these deputized new product introduction team members champion those learnings internally on their teams, kind of like train the trainer model. We know we can't be everywhere all at once, especially in a distributed environment. So this helps us get the organization aligned on what we're doing, what the messaging is, and we can be more consistent in our language, which is critical, especially in our product marketing function, what we're driving forward. And then also the impact. Again, I mentioned we want to find the red or what are the things that could be a blocker for this launch. So we'll talk about that in our NPI meetings and in our Slack channels, just with a focus of optimizing the key tenets of what we're trying to do, whether it's attach rate for a new feature activation or revenue goals for the launch. So 
that's been really helpful. It's allowed the teams to come together, make the process uniform and official for the organization and legitimize what we're doing across these go-to-market launches. But I just want to be very clear on what the NPI process is not. Sometimes when I've introduced these at businesses, products will be like, hey, 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 are we going to be changing the product roadmap here? And it's really not a time to discuss new features or changing the roadmap. And we're not here to talk about things that maybe are premature for the market, right? It's just things that are coming down the pike. So that has been really helpful. I've introduced it at a lot of organizations. And the biggest thing is we have these conversations early and often, and that's what separates it, right? No flyby releases that people feel informed and ahead of the game as we're ready to go to market. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I want to zoom in on maybe two aspects of what you said. Find the red is the first aspect, just real quick, if that's okay, because I think it's a really interesting perspective. And to be honest, I view it very similarly to you in many ways, but curious if you can walk through how you think, like just a little bit more detail around find the red, how you thought about that, like, and how you approach it for different launch sizes or just different launches overall. Yeah, I think find the red can be, it's a really good question. And one of the more salient points for me as of late is when we think about launches and impact areas or splash zones, and we go into a launch thinking it could be for one persona or use case and find out that actually the critical target is maybe a little bit more adjacent. And if we wouldn't have made that identification via the NPI team, we would have launched this thing and maybe heard crickets because the impact zone was a little bit to the left or to the right. So at Crossbeam, for example, we are serving the partnerships persona, but there's a lot of other key players for the software. We help RevOps folks, we help sales folks. And there was a recent release where in our teams, we were talking about the use cases for this and being that it's data orchestration, it was really important for us to get in front of the RevOps folks. So we wanted to make sure we were positioned in a way that it would take off in that direction. And it was a quick conversation in our team meetings, but it really changed the trajectory of what we were saying, how we were positioning and the materials that we wanted to plan for this release. And it's just in those conversations where you're inspired and you do find the red or areas where it could be a friction point where you're able to rally around a better path forward, iterate, and I think move quickly. So that is one example that comes to mind as of late. Some others could just be like really minor things, right? Like you know, we're really close to the finish line on a release, but maybe we didn't do the right help documentation or prepare the right walkthrough. It's, it's just all those gut checks and balances that make on the other side of the launch when, you know, it's very invisible, right? Everything has gone well. It's because we've found all those points of friction proactively and we're having those conversations proactively. So that's kind of the salient points that come to mind on my side. Yeah. Great question. Yeah, I think that's really smart. At when I was at HubSpot, we used to call this pothole prevention, and it was essentially an expectation of senior leaders, not only on product marketing but really across the organization, to be able to kind of foresee upcoming potholes in the road and drive around them, so to speak, or avoid them altogether. 
And I think it instilled in me, I think a great way of GTM thinking because it forces you to think ahead. It forces you to not necessarily, you know, look into a crystal ball and try to predict everything that's going to happen, but at the same time, get crystal clear upfront and get alignment and set goals. And, and to your point about, you know, aligning the entire team around go-to-market activity, it's really, really critical. So I love the phrasing of it around finding the red uh, and appreciate you sharing the second part I wanted to dive in, because I mentioned two parts, is around KPIs, because you briefly mentioned that as you were talking about how you really align everyone around a go-to-market event. And so curious how you think about defining KPIs for a successful go-to-market launch. KPIs. I love KPIs, key performance indicators, OKRs, a lot of acronyms too on this one. But yeah, no, it's a good question. And Again, it depends. It certainly depends on where the product is and its maturity stage on what the goals are for the business. But I am a big proponent of the tried and true attach rate. And this is also known as just adoption, right? We need to make sure that what we're launching is being used. Otherwise, how can we as product marketers and adjacent to growth marketers build additional growth loops and land and expand? So that is critically important to me as a product marketer and what I instill in my teams of what we're looking at. And we'll actually build these goals in advance of a launch with our product manager co-pilot. So we will talk about what success looks like with them. We'll set an attach rate goal for the feature. We'll look at our customer denominator and how many percentage wise we want to have attached to this feature to say, yes, you know, goal met or all right, we're a little short of that. Let's iterate until we get there. And that's really the big thing that I focus on. And once we have that foundational adoption and only when we have that foundational adoption, will I look to the kind of secondary and tertiary KPIs, right? Win rate, deal velocity, pipe gen, expansion revenue. Product marketing can inform so much. And I think that's also where it can get tricky for us, right? If we're focused on too many things, you know, what are we actually moving the needle on? So what I also tell my teams just to try to not get stuck in the nuance of measurement is focus on doing a few things key things really well. And that's really why the initial attach rate and activation is so important for me. It's because from there, we can rev on those additional growth levers and additional activities. So attach rate, adoption, and activation, that's what I'm focused on. Love those. And to your point, it really allows you to build a lot of downstream programs and work with your colleagues across not only marketing, but product and I'm sure other groups within Crossbeam as well to build those deeper growth loops as well. Absolutely. Yeah. We are a sales-led and product-led growth organization. So it's a lot of fun. We are doing a lot of activities across the customer journey. Yeah. It's amazing. Just talking about Crossbeam real, real, real quick. I, I think Crossbeam is really, if it's fair to say, an up-and-coming space. And so I'm curious, like how you've thought about differentiating yourselves and your messaging and ensuring that you kind of retain leadership through launches. Yeah, this is a really good question. We are. It's a very exciting space and one I am just thrilled to be in every day. So we have been around since 2018 and we're a disruptive technology in the partnership space because a lot of the way partnering was done before was 
in software, this is kind of the saying, it was against spreadsheets, right? People were account mapping in spreadsheets and sharing data and spreadsheets. And this was the old way. And when we came to market originally, it was breaking that status quo. And when I think about our launch materials and website copy, I draw on a framework that was introduced by Donald Miller and StoryBrand, where you're vilifying the old way and putting your customer at the hero or in the center of everything and guiding them to a solution throughout the storytelling, whether that's on your website or in your interactive demo or in the application in an app tour. So we're picking a fight and we're picking a a fight against spreadsheets and how ineffective they are. So in the early days at Crossbeam, right, we positioned ourselves as a data escrow service for partnering organizations. And we were very careful about this language because we knew that sharing data is what Crossbeam allows partnering organizations to do can be a little bit scary. So using words like data escrow service made it inherently feel safe and soften the hesitation around safety and security when it comes to data sharing and privacy concerns. And that really helped us and people got it right away. So those were some of the key messages and positioning statements that we use in the early go-to-market days. And again, some of the biggest strengths in Crossbeam's platform is our efficient, automatic, and secure account mapping technology. So that needed to come through in our why and going against the status quo and makes our positioning inherently defensible that by using words like that. Completely makes sense. And I love the framework that you're thinking about with Donald, Donald, excuse me, Donald Miller's book, Story Brand. It's a really smart way of uh, thinking about positioning against the kind of old way and painting a picture for the new way as well. One question I always like to ask, I try to ask every guest who comes on the podcast is, you know, what's one thing a colleague or a mentor has taught you that's, or, or, or even a book that, that served you really well in, in your career? I think there's, there's so many different things based off every product marketer's path into product marketing, but also journey up through product marketing that we've all learned. And so we'd love if there's maybe, you know, one or, or, or two things that maybe a mentor or a colleague or, or a book has taught you throughout your career that served you really well. Yeah, so, so many. I mean, there's so many great materials now for product marketers and communities, communities, you know, like this one, Sharebird and the Product Marketing Esther's podcast. But one thing that sticks out to me is a mentor and friend of mine, Jam Khan, who is the current senior vice president of product marketing at Sixth Sense. I work closely with him there and he shared just a, a smart way of thinking about launches. Launches are tough. And I think as a product marketer, you can just feel the weight of a launch, especially when you have a really crunchy roadmap and there's a lot of things coming. And this was just a really simple way of, of framing how one can think about launch for an organization and orchestrate things just very simply. And he used this, this kind of categorization of launches in a majors and minors, musical, right? A, a symphony. <laughs> We're doing, using a lot of those comparisons, but he likened the major launches as anchoring to lightning strikes, say like a big user conference or an in-person event. And those happen maybe two times a year. And then sprinkling those minor launches throughout the, the major launches. So you have continuous momentum, smaller market product snacks leading up to the major launches. And I think I I had been doing it this way, but just the framing made everything so clear. It changed how... I, I brought launches into the company at other organizations and helped product engineering sales just 
crystallized the concepts at these major and minor levels just much more seamlessly before. So I really appreciated that. It's been it's been a big game changer again for how I think about that. It sounds really simple, but just that framing was really helpful. So yeah, it really helped us turn kind of launches from collision to complementary across the organization. And I credit that to, to his mentorship. Love that framing and and Jam is is a phenomenal product marketer and you know I I, I love the way you, you just phrased it turns it from collision to complementary it's a great way of phrasing it as you know a, a lot of organizations I think are still in this you know launch 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 mode whereas you can really bundle a lot of those things together in in a in a symphony and and capture that lightning in a bottle and in, in a way by introducing those at a at a big user conference or, or, or something to that effect, you know, where possible and ensuring that you tie together all the major launches, major and minor launches, you know, in, in that lightning strike. Absolutely. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your, your go-to-market knowledge with us. Is there anywhere that the audience can kind of follow the work that you and the team at Crossbeam are doing? Sure. So you can find me on, on LinkedIn, Amanda Groves or Sharebird, and then Crossbeam, just visit crossbeam.com. And we have all of our, our latest and greatest updates there. So yeah, no, Jeff, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. I love the show and I'm excited to keep listening and learning. Thank you, Amanda.